0: so good to be here. And how good was it to see all those different photos of people tuning in from the homes and all around the place. And you know, my prayer, our prayer here at True North is that no matter where you are this morning, no matter who you're sitting with and participating in this service, that you would really know the presence of God right here with you in this moment. That no matter what you're facing, you would know that Jesus is present in your life and has more for your life. You know, as Pastor Dean mentioned a little earlier, today is Palm Sunday. Now, I think it's always funny how much each Easter sneaks up on us every year, and I think this year, more than any other, Easter has just like, wow, it is Easter already. Now, if you're just tuning in, it's not Easter Sunday right now, it is Palm Sunday. But the story behind Palm Sunday is one that I love, and Pastor Dean, Pastor Dean touched on it earlier as we got going here this morning, and it's a moment where crowds of people gather to receive Jesus in a certain way. The palm branches that we remember Palm Sunday with was about the people making a statement, the Jewish people making a statement that they wanted Jesus to be their king. But what I love about this moment is that Jesus doesn't enter like a king on a great chariot ready for war. No, Jesus enters on a donkey as the Prince of Peace, revealing that his kingdom wasn't about who was taking charge of first century Jerusalem, but his kingdom was about universal peace, universal renewal of life, and resurrected life. Now, Jesus' entire ministry has led to this moment and the people responding in this way. But there's one miracle. And one moment that in my mind shapes this response more than any other. And it's a resurrection preceding the resurrection in Jesus' own life. And it's the story of Lazarus and his resurrection. And what Jesus reveals about himself in that story, in that moment, shapes the hearts of the people on Palm Sunday when they say, Jesus, you are our king. Even though they didn't understand the full concept of what that meant, Jesus was bringing renewed life to everyone around. So this morning, I want to take you to John chapter 11 if you're following along. and invite you to open up your Bibles if you've got those there. Open up your phones if you're looking on a different screen. And, uh, and we're going to check out the, the passage there in chapter 11. But before we, uh, before we read together, I want to just give you a, a bit of a background to what's happening here. So Jesus is in a particular place doing ministry with his disciples. And he receives a message from Martha and Mary who are the the sisters of Lazarus. And the message says this, that, that Lazarus, our brother, is really sick. Jesus, you've got to come and help us. Now, Jesus, at this point in his ministry, he was known as a miraculous healer, that wherever he went, whether it was to a new village, to a new town, people would bring their sick to him knowing that he was the healer. So we know in this story that Jesus has the capacity to heal. And then John, the author of this gospel, reminds us as well that Jesus deeply loves both Mary and Martha and, of course, Lazarus as well. So we know that Jesus loves them. We know that he's the healer and he has the capacity to heal. But then alongside that, John reveals something really interesting, that Jesus, although he has the capacity to heal, although he, is, uh, although he does love Lazarus, he stays put. He does nothing at all, and he waits for two days. Now, during the waiting, Jesus, uh, Jesus knows in his heart that Lazarus has passed away, and he comes to the disciples, and he says, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but we're going to go wake him up. And the disciples, they they didn't get the the scope of what Jesus was talking about. And they're kind of like, Jesus, if he's unwell, surely we should let him sleep right. You know, people get better when they have a rest. And it just completely gone over their heads. And then Jesus reveals in crystal clear clarity what has happened. And I want to take you to this verse in John chapter 11, verse 14. And here's what happens. Jesus then tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, here's where it gets interesting. For your sake... I am glad that I was not there. Remember, Jesus was the healer. He could have done something about this. But he says, no, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, when I read this verse and I I read this story, I sometimes ask myself the question, why does Jesus wait for those two days? If he has the capacity to heal and he loves Lazarus, why wouldn't he go straight to him? And we see in this verse the start of Jesus explaining his actions because he wants his disciples to believe something new about who he is. They already understand and acknowledge that he is the healer, but Jesus wants to raise the bar of their belief, to believe that Jesus is actually more than just the healer, that Jesus is the Resurrector of life. He didn't come to the world to make the sick well, he came to the world to bring life where there was none previously. This is what Jesus wants to bring and bring new belief in the life of his disciples, to say, I'm not just the healer, I am the resurrector. Now, here's how this kind of plays out in my mind. Now, what a healer does, the healer improves the quality of life. If I have a sickness in my life, if I have a weakness in my life, Jesus operating as the healer could restore that and improve the quality of my life. But you know what the Resurrector does? The Resurrector brings life that was never there before. So how does this look in our own lives? You know, I think in a, in a time like this when we're all stuck at home and able to take stock of our lives, we, we can begin thinking, what are the, some of the things that we can do to improve the quality of our life? We heard that Pastor Michelle has been busy setting up her home gym, pulling, laying down the carpet, getting the exercise equipment in. And we can all think that, that if we have an exercise routine in our life, that's going to improve the quality of our life. And I agree with that. I, I love exercise. For me, exercise right now is a little bit different. I do push-ups with a wriggling three-year-old on my back, which is a lot of fun. And, and one of the extra challenges of that is, as you get going, the kind of the, the clamps of the arm tighten up around the neck so there's a restricted oxygen flow. It's a very scientific training exercise. And, and we think of exercise, if we include this in our life, it can actually improve our quality of life. Or maybe we think about our diet, and we think about different diets that we might, we might, uh, we might engage with, whether it's a vegan diet or a carnivorous diet or everything in between. And we think if we're strategic and intentional about our diet, it will improve the quality of our life. And I agree with that as well. Or maybe we think interpersonally, and we think if I'm intentional and engaged in my friendships in my life, if I'm invested in others, if I'm speaking into the lives of others, and I put myself in a place where they can speak into my life, that's going to improve the quality of my life as well. And I agree about all of those things. I'm passionate about all of those things. But sometimes what we can do, when we think of Jesus only as the healer, only as the one that can improve the quality of our life, we put him alongside an equal list of things that might improve the quality of our life. And we say, yeah, if I have faith in Jesus, if Jesus is a part of my life, that's going to make my life better, just like a good workout, just like a good diet, just like good friendships. But Jesus is actually saying something different. He's saying, no, I do not operate alongside a list of things that can improve the quality of life. I operate as the one that brings life where there wasn't life before. So Jesus isn't just the healer, he's the resurrector, that he is preeminent in the list of things that might improve my life, meaning he is greater than, he goes before, and he brings life where there previously was none. That is the resurrection of Jesus, and that's what Jesus wants to remind us on this Palm Sunday as we head into Easter. So Jesus rallies the disciples and they head to Bethany, the village where Lazarus now has been in the tomb for four days. Jesus arrives and Martha, one of the sisters of Lazarus, runs to Jesus as soon as she knows he's there. And and Jesus is kind of greeted with something of a backhanded compliment from Martha. Anyone at home ever received a backhanded compliment? They're kind of encouraging, but they also sting a little bit. And this is what Martha was going for. And she says, Jesus, remember, she believes that Jesus is the healer, but that's the extent of her belief. And she says, Jesus, if you were here, Lazarus would not have died. Because you're the healer, you would have made him well. So that's kind of the, the, the sharp end of the compliment. But then she says, Jesus, I also know that whatever you pray to, to the Father, will be done in your name. So she's kind of like, Jesus, this is sort of your fault, but I also know that you're a massive deal as well. And the conversation flows between them for a little while longer. And then we're going to pick up in the scripture here. In verse 23. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now Martha hears these words in a a certain context and she's thinking about her own framework of faith and the belief in the resurrection or the eternal life in the context of the Jewish faith at the time. And Martha says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know that, Jesus. But then Jesus said to her, and you've got to listen to this. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah. That word means the anointed one of God, the son of God, who has come into the world. Now, what Jesus reveals in this conversation is profoundly important. He says, I am the resurrection. I I am the life. You know, through the Gospel of John, the author John records seven of these I am sayings where Jesus reveals something incredibly significant about who he is and what he is about as the Son of God. And this is the final of those seven I am sayings, and it is absolutely my favorite where Jesus reveals in crystal clarity that I am the resurrection, I am the life, I am the one that can bring renewal in the deepest places of your heart and soul. And now he's about to back up a spiritual reality with a physical, tangible miracle in the life of Lazarus so that each and every person would know that those that place their faith in Jesus, even though they die, will live in him. This is what Jesus brings. And so Jesus, after having a few more conversations with Mary, who was overcome with grief, with others that were gathered there around the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus heads towards the tomb. And and in chapter 11, in verse 38, it says this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, arrives at the tomb. Now, I want to take hold of a subplot in this story just for a moment. We see at the start of this verse that Jesus is carrying a very real sense of emotion. Moments earlier, as Mary finally had a conversation with him, she's just overcome with grief. She can't see faith in the healer Jesus anymore. And all she can see is that Jesus wasn't there and Lazarus had died and she's weeping. And there's others around that are weeping in their grief, in their sadness. And it's in this passage that we have our shortest verse in the whole of the Bible. Yeah, anyone know what it is? If If you're sitting at home with someone and you know the answer to that question, you can say, yeah, I know this one. I'll give you a clue. It's two words words anyone got it you can put it in the YouTube comments in the Facebook live and if you haven't got it already it's Jesus wept Jesus wept and he was deeply moved and then again John reiterates that as he arrives to the tomb here in verse 38 he's deeply moved again so Jesus is carrying with him a very real sense of emotion and as a, as a reader of this passage, it, it, it interests me. It piques my interest. Because let's remember that at the very start of this story, Jesus knows absolutely that by this afternoon, Lazarus is going to be walking around. That Jesus knows at the start of this story that he's going to be sharing a meal with Lazarus. So it's hard for me to think that, that Jesus is emotional because of the death of Lazarus. Because he knows this sickness isn't going to end in death. It's going to end in resurrection. So then maybe he's experiencing empathy on, besides of, on behalf of those that are gathered. In his heart, he's feeling for Mary, for Martha. He's in his heart, he's feeling for the, for the gathered people that are there, mourning for the loss of Lazarus. And I think that's possible. But my imagination goes a little bit further. And I wonder if as Jesus stood in front of this tomb, That if Jesus stood in front of this mighty stone laid across the entrance of the tomb, is he reminded of his own experience of the cross that's to come shortly? Is he reminded of his own tomb that he would reside in for three days? And I think in the humanness of Jesus' heart, remember he's divine, but he's human as well, that there's a very real sense of weight in the, yeah, I'm going to a tomb just like this. But I wonder if it's more than sadness that's the emotion that Jesus is feeling. As he stands before this tomb, a symbol of the power of death, is Jesus now fully realized, fully awakened to the reality that as the Messiah, his role, his purpose, his function, what he's anointed to achieve is to once and for all defeat the power of sin in the lives of people. And as he stands before that tomb, I wonder if there's a bit of anger rising up in him. I wonder if there's a little bit of frustration rising up in him. As the resurrection and the life, he has had enough of sin having the final word in the lives of his people. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus has had enough with sin having the final word in your life, having the final word in my life. And it's as if he's firing on all cylinders as the Messiah and he's saying enough is enough. Resurrection begins now. Resurrection will come on Easter Sunday and resurrection is for your life as well. And with the full weight of emotion of that moment, Let's dive into verse 38. Jesus, once more, deeply moved. I'm not sure he was weeping. I think he might have been flexing. I think he might have had tensed fist. Once more, deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, having a wrestle in her faith, By this time, there's a bad odour, for he's been in there for four days. And Jesus reminds her and encourages her once more. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. They rolled it away. Then Jesus looked up and said, he begins to pray to the Father. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. God, I thank you that you are already going to perform this miracle of resurrection. Now, I know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. Remember, this is all about Jesus raising the bar of what we can believe of him, that they may believe you sent me. Now, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice Lazarus, come out. He invites the dead man to begin breathing and step out of the tomb. So Lazarus, the dead man, came out, his hands, his feet wrapped with strips of linen, almost like a mummy, (laughs) cloth around his face he couldn't see. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go so he can walk and run and jump and live in freedom. So Jesus, remember, he's called us to believe something new about who he is, he is the resurrection. He is the life. Now, the resurrection, I'm going to call Jesus by that I am saying just for a moment, the resurrection here exerts its authority over death in three ways. First of all, he says, take away the stone. And what Jesus is doing in that moment is removing the barrier, removing the seal between life and death. He says, take away the stone. And so they roll away the stone, responding to the authority of the resurrection and the life. Take away the stone. Remove the barrier between life and death. Now with the tomb open, the resurrection speaks a command of authority once more. and says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out of the tomb. He invites that which was dead to rise up and become alive. And Lazarus comes out of the opening of the tomb. And then there's a final command and a final expression of the authority of the resurrection and the life. And he says, take off the grave clothes. So the grave clothes would would bind you just a little bit. They they would make it hard to move your your arms and your legs. You couldn't see because your face was covered, as was their tradition. Now, here's the thing about the grave clothes. The grave clothes were never intended to be worn by someone that was alive. So Jesus says take off the grave clothes. Lazarus isn't dead. That's the wrong outfit for a man who has been made alive to be living in. Jesus says, take off the grave clothes so they do and he can walk around freely. So the resurrection and the life gives three commands in this physical resurrection in the life of Lazarus. But the Gospel author John records this moment and records this story so that we could know that those same three commands exist in our soul as well. So Jesus has taken away the stone. Listen to this. Listen to this. That the work of, cro- of the cross, the redemptive work of the cross, is all about removing the stone of my soul, of your soul, so that we can know fullness of life in relationship with God. Jesus, upon the cross, through his resurrection, takes away the barrier between spiritual life and spiritual death. So the tomb is open. That is the work of the Savior. That is the work of the cross. That is the story of Easter that gets me so excited. That the stone has been rolled away, not just in the life of Lazarus, not just in the life of Jesus, but in your heart and soul. And because the stone is rolled away, we can now hear the second invitation, the second command, because the barrier between sin and death and life has been removed. And now Jesus can give an invitation Phil, come out of the tomb. I don't know if you've noticed, but the stone's gone. I've rolled away the stone. Now come out and experience the resurrected life that I have for you. And because of the work of the cross, I can respond to that invitation. And to walk out of the tomb of the soul simply means this, to place your faith in Jesus. Remember the conversation that he had with Martha. Martha, do you believe... That I am the resurrection and the life do you believe that I am the Messiah the son of God and she says yes you know when each one of us make that same statement of faith breath comes back into our soul and we walk out of the tomb responding to the authority of the resurrection and the life so the first two things that Jesus does as the resurrection and the life are about our soul, are about the realities of our soul. That now there is nothing, nothing at all that can separate me from the love and life that the God, God our Father has created us to experience. Nothing can separate me from that. And I've received an invitation so that my life can be found in Jesus, in God. But it doesn't end there. Because the final act of authority of the resurrection is so that I would begin to live differently, not bound up in the grave clothes of a life separated from God, but living in the freedom and authority of the resurrected King, that the resurrection would be alive in me. You know, when I think about this at its most simple expression, is that Jesus has defeated sin in my life, and when I rise up, in the place of the soul, out of the tomb, and walk out of that space, Jesus actually gives me the power, the strength, the focus, the joy, the courage to shake off some of the things that separate me from living a life full in the resurrection of Jesus. That some of the the bad attitudes binding up my hands, through the power of Christ in me, I can begin to shake them off. Some of the negativity, some of the, the judgmental attitudes, some of the selfishness can begin to be loosened up because of what Jesus has invited me to do, to not only be resurrected myself, but to be a carrier of his renewed life, his resurrection in me and through me, to take off the grave clothes. So this morning, this Palm Sunday, as we're about to spend a a week leaning into Easter and the incredible message of the cross, I believe that, that God's put this story, this passage on the heart of our church for a reason, because we need to lift our bar of belief of who Jesus is and what he invites us to to lift the bar of belief that Jesus isn't just some self-help idea that we can apply to our lives to make it a little bit better, but to take hold of the belief that he is the resurrection, that he is the life, that he calls me to a renewed expression of life in him, and that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of the Father through the Holy Spirit gifted to me by the Son and his redemptive work upon the cross. To take hold of that life anew, the resurrected life, the resurrection of Jesus alive in me in a whole New way. This is the invitation for you this morning to look up and realize that the stone of your soul has been rolled away. To look up and realize there's light flooding into the deepest places of your heart and to hear the invitation of Jesus come out. Come out and experience the fullness of life that I have for you. And by the way, by my name, I have authority for you to let go of those things that were holding you back, and he's got a whole new outfit for you to wear. Not the clothes of the grave, but the clothes of resurrected life. Loving God fully, loving others fully. Modeling everything that Jesus was. You know, in a few moments, I want to pray for you here this morning as we wrap up. You know, you might be be listening to this story, listening to these words about Jesus, who he claimed to be, and maybe you've never fully placed your faith in Jesus before, that you've heard about God, you've heard about the idea of Christianity And now even as I've told this story, you're looking up and you're seeing that that tomb of the soul, the stone's been rolled away. And that's God speaking to you and inviting you to something new, to believe something new about who Jesus is, not just something kind of good for the Christian people, but to bring renewed life for you today. And I want to encourage you to place your faith in Jesus, to respond to that invitation to come out of the tomb shake off the grave clothes and live a life of freedom in Him. Not to improve your life, not to make it better somehow, but to give you spiritual life where there was none before. This is the word of Scripture for you today to come out of the tomb. I want to pray for you this morning. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I just want to invite you in your home. Maybe you're there with family, friends, And you just need to say right now, hey, this prayer's for me. And I want to invite you in your homes to pray this prayer together after me. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you for the cross. Jesus, I thank you for the resurrection. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you've forgiven me of my sin. And Jesus, I place my faith in you this morning. Jesus, I thank you for the new life you have for me. Jesus, I want to know who you are more and more. Jesus, I give my life to you. I hear the invitation. And Jesus, I'm coming out of the tomb. (laughs) Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer this morning, as a church, we want to support you. I want to encourage you. There's a couple of things you can do. You can direct message us through Facebook. You can comment on YouTube. Get in touch with with Matt Harris, our welcome person there, and just say, hey, I just made a commitment to Jesus. I want to take another step. But get in contact with us. We'd love to support you in that decision. And then also... If you're listening to this message this morning and your faith is in Jesus, you know the stone's been rolled away. You know that you've received the invitation to come out of the tomb. But maybe we're still walking around with those grave clothes on. Maybe we're still walking around and though the light of Christ is upon us, we're walking around as if we're still in the tomb and we're missing out on the fullness of the resurrection and the life in us to say, Jesus... Help me to pull away those things that are keeping me bound up. Help me to pull away those things that are taking away from the fullness of the resurrected life you have for me. Really quickly, I just want to pray for you if that's you as well. And this could be all of us anyway, to say, Jesus, we're taken off the grave clothes. Can I pray for you this morning? Jesus, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. And God, I pray that in a whole new way, our belief of you would be lifted higher to know that you don't only gift us with eternity, but you gift us with an invitation of transformation in our lives, Lord God, to live a life fully free to love you and to love others. God, I declare freedom in the name of Jesus from any of the things that bind, from any of the grave clothes that keep us the way that we were. God, I pray that the cloths over the eyes would be removed so that we could see you in clarity. Jesus, I pray that you would do something special over this week in every person's life, Lord God. God, would you reveal yourself as the resurrected King and Jesus, would our belief of who you are increase exponentially. Jesus, be present this week, be speaking to us all. God, we praise your name. We thank you that you are the way maker. You rolled away the stone and now nothing, not heights nor depths, not angels nor demons, not anything else in all creation can separate us from your love, God. We hold on to that this morning and we praise your holy name. Amen.